0: Welcome to Screams and Streams, and part two of our discussion of Steven Spielberg's 1975 film, Jaws. Let's get to the movie.
1: Now we're going to move on to a new category that we have, which uh, focuses around the soundtrack or the sounds in the the film, and we're going to go eerie to ear splitting. And I am going to kick this one off, but I think pretty much everybody has the same opinion on this, is the iconic... Dun, 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 dun. sound is super eerie like it you only need to hear the first two notes and you know something's coming right so i i just love that the soundtrack in this
0: film and the number of people that i think haven't seen jaws but still know that mm-hmm. progression is done dun, dun. like yeah it's referenced so many times by generations now and i'm sure kids that make that reference haven't watched jaws yet but they know what it means
2: yeah and they don't overdo the music background either like there's a lot of silent scenes in mm-hmm. the movie itself like yeah building up to the classic da na dun na like yeah it, like, that they just do they use it so well they knew what they had it seemed like they knew that that was an epic fear-mongering song that they had.
0: Right. And a great example of the silence is Hooper in the cage. And when he's underwater and it's silent, it's just the sound of being underwater. And so we know Jaws is in the water. We know something's going to come from that, but there's no, and then, Mm -hmm. so when Jaws does hit the cage for the first time, it did startle me. I did get that jump scare because you know, it's coming, but there's no musical cue. There's no sting to tell you. It just comes out. Right. And it really puts you into it. Like, cause when Hooper's in the water, he's hearing nothing as well. So it's really well done there with the silence. Yeah. On the theme, there's a great bonus feature on the Blu-ray where there are just, you know, crowd reactions to the film and they're getting people to like redo the theme. And as iconic as it is, and as simple as it is, all these people are like, Da-na-na, da na is that it? Da-na-na? <laughs> and there's, and what people are like, da da-na, dana Like, so many people couldn't get it right, but they all loved the theme. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's iconic, it's simple, but people that just watched the film walked out of the theater like, it's there, but I don't know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for Oh, sorry. Is there anything else on that? That wraps it up for me, but I know you had an extra thing. Yeah. I just had one moment in the film where as great as the music is, and it's John Williams who is a master of soundtracks and establishing mood. It's, you know, there. I don't think there's a movie that he's done that isn't amazing for music and score. But during the hunt of the the monster when they're on the boat and they're pegging it with the barrels and it's supposed to be this tense buildup and this fight, right, for survival to kill the beast, And they shoot it with the second barrel. And then it just becomes this like jaunty Goonies-esque adventure music (laughs) where it's just like this, like it it would fit more with like Indiana Jones and like short round doing something crazy. it just completely ruined the mood. It's this tense fight with the monster, and they've got a second barrel on it. Yeah. And it's just like, da 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 mm-hmm. Like, it's just, yeah. it, also like it, it could have been in Hook. It could have been in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It just did not fit the tone. Right. And it just completely stops the tension of that moment.
2: I know this isn't tied to music, but th- I can't listen to that scene without saying this thought. Why didn't they tie all four barrels the same arrow and hit jaws with all four barrels right away or five barrels, whatever they had. Why try to keep it close to the surface? I know I'm jumping around now, but you had got, you got grenades, you got all types of stuff. If you're just trying to kill the shark, blow it out of the water right away. I just, that was just so dumb to me. You're not trying to catch it. Are you gonna no. keep it as
0: a pet. Yeah, I know. No, we're we're, we're do not
1: catching it. it and and trying to keep it alive in the zoo or anything. You're you're trying to kill the shark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I hate that it. I
0: didn't ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's because Hooper could only tie one knot at a time. He barely got that one barrel off before it almost took his hand off. Right.
0: That, and that's okay. Let's let's really get into this because that's the yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing is like they spend all that time on the in the in the night scene when they're on the boat and he's explaining all of his like high tech tracking stuff and like oh I've got this and it's sonar and. And then they spend all that time tying a tracker to the barrel. And there's no reference to the tracking. Yeah. Afterwards, they completely rely on visual after that. They have
2: the beep going, but there's no, yeah.
1: But I think that's kind of a statement to the old, like the old ways of Quint compared to the new technology, technological ways of Hooper. it's like the old ways are better. I I don't know. I kind of took that because every time Hooper did something, it was okay, but every time Quinn did something, it, it was right, right? Oh, it's right. a 20-footer, 20 a 25. It's,
2: uh, oh, right. it's, uh, I can shoot this with a harpoon. You got your fancy stuff, it doesn't work. And all But they built Hooper as like a character that doesn't back down. Like he was yeah true. the yep. aggressor in many situations, and he didn't advocate for himself to bring his own bigger, much fancier, nicer boat along with the old boat i yeah i I could go down
0: rabbit holes here but i know well and all the equipment they're loading on like they're they're listing all the harpoons and at one point they say an smg i'm like submachine gun like (laughs) (laughs) i don't think they brought a fully automatic rifle with them but you know he's got all of this stuff that's being loaded and then uses none of it
1: yeah damn it this is compressed air
0: (laughs) when it all falls apart on him Oh yeah, they really sold that compressed air. Like keep noticing it. It's gonna come back.
1: It's coming back to you. (laughs) And actually
0: when they're doing the research when he's doing the research through the book, there is a picture of a shark with a a tank in its mouth. Oh. It's just in one of the pages where I was like, ah, there it is. Uh,
1: (laughs) Okay. Now we're gonna go to back it up moments and uh I'll kick off the back it up moments. I have two. The first one is probably the most famous jump scare. In any horror movie is the head coming out of the hull of the ship. It still gets me, even though I know it's coming. Last night, I was rewatching it again, and it got me again. I was just like, I know this is coming, and then... <laughs> ah! <laughs> and then I jumped. And it's just so well done. I think the the head still looks pretty... Pretty good for, you know, by today's standards. And, and it just kind of comes out there. It freaks him out. He drops his harpoon and everything goes crazy after that. But uh, but that's that's my first one. I love that that jump scare. And then the second one I have is um, the slap scene with uh, the one that loses her, her child. Most gratuitous scene. And, and she comes up and just hauls off on Sheriff Brody. Just yeah. slaps him so hard. And I guess... She was really slapping him, like really hitting him. And they had to do that. They they asked her how much how many times she had to slap him and it was seventeen times she slapped him to create that scene. Yeah. And he even said in an interview, he's like, Yeah, she's really hitting me. She really winds up and slaps me. And it's well done. It shows. Yeah. And, uh, and I and I like that scene. In fact, I know years afterwards they when they were interviewing her, she said that people would come up to her on the street and say, hey, can you slap me? And, uh, and so she was doing like slaps to people just to mimic that scene. It's like, okay, <laughs> I guess if that's what you're into. <laughs> but yeah, um,
2: those were my two. Uh, TJ, did you have any back it up moments for this film? One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is where they've already pegged Jaws with three barrels and now they're trying to lure him back to shore. And there's a scene where the the camera's pointing backwards at the boat, and you can see the barrels in the distance, and you the captain starts to sing his Spanish song one more time, and right. he just does such a good job with his facial expressions of, like, he knows that they're hooped, right? Like, he knows that this isn't going well. The other two are scared in the background, and they brought up – I think he sings the song, like, three times or, or more, maybe, in the, in the movie itself. But right. that scene just set such – like, it was just so well acted in his face that, like –
0: he's trying to be cool, but he knows like they're done. Yeah. It, it, it starts off almost like this whimsical song that he sings at the start of their journey. And then it becomes a dirge by the end where it's no longer like we're off to kill this monster. It's, this is our funeral song. Right. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. the, the three times he sings it. It changes tone each time. Yeah. 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 It's very well done. We're very well used.
1: Now, Mike, what were your uh, back it up moments?
0: One scene we've talked about it a bit is already, but it's Roy. It's I, I, can't remember if it's two different scenes or if it's the one if it takes place over one event. But the Roy Scheider or Martin Brody at the dinner table. There's a scene with his son where they're they're mimicking each other's movements, and there's this great music that plays, just establishing that family relationship and building that characterization of the Brody family. It's this quiet peaceful moment that doesn't fit with the tone of the rest of it but it really just builds up Brody in the hearts of the audience so that scene did a lot for me with just really endearing myself to that character and that family mm-hmm. did they
2: do that a couple times in the movie would maybe you're going to talk about it, so I won't nah, so when when he asked his son to go play in the pond or whatever they call that the separate. Yeah. Yeah. Not the the beach, but the pond. Uh, Ponds ponds for kids. Ponds for old ladies. Yeah. Old ladies. And he's like, just do it for me. And the kid's like, okay, dad. Yeah. That's like, okay, well clearly they're showing that the kid loves the dad, respects him, is willing to do whatever his dad's asking. Yeah. So it gives you that. Yeah. That just good guy vibes.
0: Mm -hmm. And then the, the dinner scene where, yeah, Brody's not touching his food, but he's got the whiskey and then Hooper shows up. That entire scene, like the two of them on camera together, I have always liked Dreyfus as an actor. But seeing that, like I've seen him in the later films. I love What About Bob, Mr. Holland's opus. But I've I've always liked him going back to see him in his younger days and see him in Jaws with fresh eyes. The drama in that scene, the banter between the two. When he's like, oh, is anybody eating this? And he takes it before Brody even says no. And he he's like, uh, no, okay. And he just starts eating the dinner. It's just all of that was so well done. Watching the overpouring of the wine. Again, I like the human aspect of this film more than the monster side of it. So that scene, I could watch that over and over again.
1: Well, the film's really about relationships, right? It's all relationships between Hooper and Brody and Brody and the water and the fish and Mm -hmm. then Quinn and his relationships with with the sharks and, and, you know, uh, Captain Ahab kind of Moby Dick kind of thing, right? The wife and... And her relationship with Brody and then I guess I had heard that there was a a scene in there where Hooper and Ellen were supposed to during that drinking dinner scene were supposed to have a bit of a, a moment together. Yeah. And In the
0: novel, they actually do have an affair.
1: Yeah, so there was that, but they, they cut that out. They had workshopped it and, and wondered about it, but then they ended up cutting it out. But you kind of see where it could have gone at that dinner scene because he's making her laugh so much and mm-hmm. they're really flirting it up with each other, but then it just kind of ends Then they go cut the, the fish.
0: But I, I think it would have made Hooper and Ellen completely unlikable. So then you would have I no agree. You yeah. would have no emotional investment in either of their stories. So then Brody becomes the only one we can attach to at that point.
2: Right. Yeah. I was cheering for Jaws the whole time, but I guess that's just <laughs> me. Do
0: <laughs> you have any more back it up, Mike? I have the obvious one and it's Quint's USS Indianapolis speech. Oh yeah. It's in the middle of the monster hunt and the fight with with Jaws, but it took me back to that human aspect of the film. And I love that actually entire scene around the table in the cabin where they're sharing their scars and Dreyfus opens up his shirt and you go, Robert Shaw's like, oh, you're wearing a sweater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he talks about like, this is the scar that blah, blah, blah gave me. It's in my heart. And it's just yeah. like, it's so nice. And it's so you just want to sit and have a drink with these, these three guys. Yeah. And then they sing that old shanty, um, show me the way to go home. Yeah. And, but then he goes into that USS Indianapolis speech. Yeah. And a thousand men went into the water and 300 came out or whatever it is. Yeah. You can't take your eyes off the screen. There's nothing to see, but it's just so engrossing. So well done.
2: Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Like In a modern day movie, they'd probably do a cut scene to show what that was like, but he does a better version of it just talking about it than you could do with a cut scene.
1: Just focuses on him and him telling that scene and he, Yeah. No, he does a he does a really really good job with that one. Yeah,
2: it's mind blowing to me that they know like that is a true story. If you're not sure, but that is that really happened. Yeah, why not make that movie instead of we got a bad shark, we got to kill the shark? Make that the movie that you're making instead of Jaws itself. Yeah,
1: I well, there's a there's a book called In Harm's Way by Doug Stanton that that I've read about that whole thing, and maybe they'll they would make the movie today. I don't think they could have made it back then without getting a rated X rating. Right. It is so crazy what happened to those poor people on that mm-hmm. ship. And I'll uh, I'll read a little excerpt of it when we go into our bonus features, but it's it's so disturbing. The when the torpedoes hit and they, they follow this one guy around, that one of the captains that's trying to save people, and he's talking about limbs all over the place and people's burnt skin hanging off their bodies, and they're screaming and running around the ship. And it only took, like, Robert Shaw's telling of that story is accurate in most cases. the The population of the people that went into the water is not accurate, but how he describes the sharks coming in and the people... And, and that whole scenario is accurate. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a hard book to get through. It's, it's very disturbing. And when they get rescued, it's not even like, there's no relief after that. They've been in the water for so long. You're in salt water for days and days and days. Your body just turns into this rubbery spongy.
2: And thinking about it now, that would be a very dark movie. Like you drop the bomb, you murder hundreds of thousands of people and get back on a boat you get blown up in the water and then well, a bunch of people are eaten by sharks. So that's not a feel good movie, I guess, in hindsight, but
1: <laughs> you'd walk out of there. Just feel just like, oh, just so sad. I mean, there is like a glimmer of hope when the 300 and some guys do get rescued, but a lot of people lose their lives
0: in that. And it's, it's just hell it would become like a Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck. Like it's just not, not to told, it, right?
1: Yeah. They would have to make some stupid love story where he gets back to his wife and, and stuff where in actuality, it doesn't happen. Yeah. They'd add in that
2: castaway aspect. There'd be a Wilson in there somewhere.
1: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That wraps up our category. So now we're going to go into bonus features where we talk about, you know, little tidbits, research we've done about the film. This film has been exhaustingly researched. I'm not sure if we're going to come up with any new pearls of wisdom for you out here. Probably if you've watched The Making of Jaws or you've seen some of the many documentaries that have been listed, you'll get the same information, but we're going to give some of the stuff that we found out and hopefully it's new to you. One of the, that I noticed was, first of all, they had a schedule of 60 days. It went over 167 days of filming. They didn't really understand what it was going to be like to film on the ocean. And so there was a whole group of problems that came with just that alone. And I don't know if anybody has any research on that. Yeah, TJ?
2: Well, so at and you can correct me if this is incorrect, but at Universal, they show you where they filmed some of the scenes in Jaws. Basically, they have a large pond where they did a lot of like the last 40 minutes of the film where they're fighting the shark and trying to kill the shark. Yeah. And once you've seen that, it's really hard to unsee it in the movie where they go from calm waters to their actual ocean shots where it's a normal ocean wave. Right. Uh, but like, yeah, they they obviously had such issues with the ocean itself that they had to make that set work for them there, yeah, because the ocean is just too unpredictable. It's a wild beast. Like, how are you gonna? Yeah, and they were
1: out, they were out there, and they were they, they said one of the problems was while they were filming, people would be sailing in their <laughs> sailboats, and th- they would say, you know, this is supposed to be the last battle. Nobody's supposed to be out here. We're supposed to be way out into the water. And so they'd sit there, and these sailboats would come through their shot, and they'd have to cut, and they'd have to wait till the sailboats. Go away, they couldn't anchor properly the with uh, the wind picked up and the water was too unsteady, then the, it would just pull the anchors every which way. they couldn't steady their shots with the cameras. they all had to do handhelds. They were like, if we do tripods, everybody's gonna be sick because of the way it it filmed. There's yeah.
0: one scene when they're early on on the boat, and I think it's just before he starts fishing for jaws. And, yeah. the, and the boat is just rocking up and down, and it almost looks like it's green-screened yeah. with that ocean. and So, yeah, I could imagine if that had been shot in a different way, it would have just been nauseating.
1: Yeah, there is a excerpt from The Jaws Log, written by Carl Gottlieb. He was working on the set, and he talks about, you know— Uh, They underestimate, I'll just read this little bit that he said, they had underestimated the power of the sea. Barnacles that would cut the divers' hands accumulated on the undersea platform. A special grease had to be applied to the dolly tracks while they were underwater by a scuba diving technicians growth of kelp and algae and seaweed would foul the works the work barge with the controls on it was permanently anchored at sea and was christened the ss garage sale officially as it turns out because uh there was a coast guard registry involved so just nothing but problems and then the shark wouldn't work every day they had problems with bruce
0: the name of the shark yeah and i'm almost glad they did right like they bruce doesn't show up until an hour and 21 minutes into the film the movie's so much better because we don't see the shark
2: mm-hmm. yeah they must have been pretty stoked when they got that great white to come on top of the cage like when they're filming from the bottom they catch a great white like yeah, on, he on top actually of the shark cage there. Yeah. yeah.
1: There's a little story about that too. He's like, uh, they were trying to get this great white shark. And so they used this guy called Carl Rizzo, who was actually a little person. Because as you had alluded to earlier, they wanted to make, they could only find 15 to 18 feet sharks so they wanted to make the sharks look bigger so they did in fact try to use a small guy in a smaller cage and so they had this small cage set up and he was about to climb in and this shark jumped up got the cage knocked carl rizzo back and and like took him out and then took the cage down and got caught in it and started whipping around back and forth and and ripped up cables and wire if he had been in the cage like he was climbing in he was in the process of going into the cage If he had been in it he would have been killed and so they they used that shot from underneath to kind of show it but they tried to go back out and shoot
2: it again but Carl was done.
0: Oh yeah, you could not get me back in that water. I wonder if they would have changed Hooper's
2: storyline if they got the real footage of that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> they do a little excerpt of that here in the when they're talking about the shark. He said they used chum, all these dead alive horse horse bits and fish heads and stuff like that to attach these and They had this Carl-sized cage, which is five-eighths to scale, and these cute little air tanks. So one of the worries was that if he got caught underwater, the air would run out because they had such small tanks. So if he got in there, he'd be safe in the cage, but he'd run out of air. So they were battling with that as well. And then this shark just came in and just ripped it all apart. And then they were like, well... Let's try it again, and he was no. So then they had to use that footage that they had. So
2: they needed more yeah. like a Team America World Police like puppeteer with a really small puppet in yeah. and a really small cage to right, so yeah. really get the effect.
1: Well, and nowadays they just they just three D animate it, right? They'd make a they'd make up a shark on the computer and be like, oh, there it is. Or even a And it wouldn't look as real
2: then either. Like they tried, oh. the they did their best with what they had yeah. at the time.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, Spielberg with Jurassic Park, right, he tried to use real effects as much as he could. And in one of the interviews I was watching with him, he was talking about, like, these are special effects, not computer-generated effects. And he's very proud of that in his films. And he he does talk about how Jurassic Park still holds up because of trying to do it without the CGI. So Mm -hmm. I think even if he were to do Jaws in the 90s and 2000s, I think he still would have done puppeteering more than 3D animated with it. But I, but the puppeteering at this point would have been much better. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I think so. Yeah. Well, and even like the, at the end when Quinn's getting eaten, the, the jowls on Bruce are just kind of laughable. Like they couldn't get that hinge yeah. to look right. And so he's just kind of chomping away and it looks like, it looks like almost like a bulldog jowls that are sitting there. Yeah.
0: Did you see the story about when Lucas visited the set? Just speaking of Bruce and his jaw and the jowls or the, the mouth? No, no. So yeah, Lucas came by just to see what was going on. And Spielberg, Lucas, and another guy went on to set in the evening and they're just fooling around and they're like, Hey, put your head in there. haha, It'd be great. We'll get a picture. And so when Lucas stuck his head in Spielberg closed, like hit the device to close the mouth. Yeah. And it bit like it bit down, but obviously didn't injure Lucas. Cause it's not, it wasn't designed to close fully, but then they couldn't get the jaws to open back up. So Lucas was stuck in and <laughs> they had to pry the mouth open to get him out. And they're like. They were like, oh, shit, I think we broke the mechanism. And then they just left. They told nobody. <laughs> so, like, the director <laughs> of the film was screwing around, almost broke his own monster. <laughs> and they're just like "Like a schoolboy's, like, nope, we weren't there. I don't know what I'm out of here. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: getting away. Yeah. Just a couple more things. In harm's way, again, the amount of people that went into the water, he said were 1,100 went into the water. It was closer to, to 900. So... The the book says it would be later estimated that 300 men died immediately during the torpedoing and subsequent explosions, uh, close to 900 people made it off the ship. And so those are the guys that went into the water and actually experienced probably the worst hell. Well,
2: it was the, the largest shark attack in history.
1: So just going on that... By dusk on Monday, hundreds of sharks had encircled them. They were makos, tigers, white tips, blues, rising to the speed of a man, and a gentle run. And they talked about the bump and bite, and that's how they used to take them. So these guys would would go in a circle, just like Quinn said, they'd circle up and they'd be buddies, and they thought that splashing around and flailing would scare the sharks away, but that attracts sharks because they think... You're an animal so that, that they can eat. So then they just came in. They said later on that they would, uh, they set up a schedule. So they would feed in the morning and they'd pick off these people in the morning. And by the afternoon, they'd subside. They'd take off, they'd go away. And then as soon as the sun started to go down, they came back and started picking off people again. And by the end, when people thought they weren't being rescued, they would, I guess, commit suicide because they break away from the group and just be like, I'm just gonna let the sharks take me, and so they'd walk out, and these sharks would just come and just, just rip them apart. This book is amazing. Like, if you wanna, if you really wanna know what happened to the uh, the USS Indianapolis, it's such a good read. There's a a quote from one of the survivors, um, seaman first class Gus K, that I'll just read, and then I'll and then I'll stop. But yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. They stalked for hours, going around and around, and somebody said, "Those are PT boats," and another guy said. No, those are sharks. It's the wake they make. Finally they attacked. They pulled guys right out of the water. We thrashed trying to keep them away from us, but they came right into the group. Took the net, everything right up into the air. Tore guys limbs off. The water was bloody. And that's just his little telling of it. During that and it was days of that, right? So really, really scary. Speaking to that monologue, he really captures how horrific that that moment was uh, yeah. for for them. So, yeah. Any other research I did was the budget was four million. It went to fourteen million. The shark would malfunction every day. They couldn't get it to work. It was always broken. They had two of them, and they and it would always break. Dreyfus and Shaw feud is fairly, you know, well-documented. They didn't like each other. Dreyfus says he was the nicest guy offset, like in private. They'd go for drinks and stuff, and they'd be super nice to each other, and then as soon as they got on set, he was just the giant, the biggest dick to him.
0: I wonder if it was just like a method thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but they were they were he that tension translated. But as soon as they started walking, they get he said we'd get to a certain part, and then it would just switch, and he would just mean to him. He would challenge him all the time. I remember they said he he would they he challenged him to jump off the what is it, the eye in the sky or the, the bird's nest or the crow's nest? So he challenged him to jump off of that and go swimming and Dreyfus was like, yeah, I'll do it. And he got up there and he's like, I'm not doing this in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so little things like that. And, and I mean, you can find all this stuff online. It's it's pretty crazy that the, the whole filming of that took was like five or six months when it was only supposed to take two. And they just did not know what they were getting into when they decided to film on the ocean.
0: Do you have, I have a couple things, TJ. Do you have any?
2: I'll add one thing. So uh, Chad talked about this earlier in the episode, but uh, Jaws' big disservice to society as a whole is how it painted sharks in general, something to be feared. Uh, So the only research I did was checking out how sharks are being portrayed now. So one Instagram page I, I think that you should go check out is Ocean Ramsey. So Ocean Ramsey is a unbelievable free diver who dives with sharks and is like a shark researcher of types. And she swims with, with great whites without a cage. She swims right up to them, swims along with them, teaches you how to handle when sharks are coming near you. It's simple moves with your hand to their nose to apply pressure in certain ways and force them away. But it's just trying to educate folks on how sharks are the most important part of the ocean. They're an apex predator, of course, and they'll they'll bite you now and again, but they shouldn't be feared. They should be protected and that should be what you take away from. Like, you can watch Shark Week and think that sharks are monsters, or you can check out items like that and see how sharks are important. And we need lots of them. If you don't see sharks, that's a bad thing. You need a lot of sharks that tells you it's a healthy reef.
0: Thank you for that. Yeah.
1: That, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I'll check that website out for sure. That That's uh,
0: that's cool for my research, I was just looking at some bonus features on the Blu-ray. There was one featurette just on the digital restoration and the process that went into that. And so at Universal, they were talking about the film stock that they have from all the movies they've ever made. And the restoration of Jaws was part of this Universal 100 years of film project, and they chose their top 100 movies and Jaws was part of it. And this is nothing to do with Jaws, but it The number of artifacts that they have in their film warehouses around the world is over three million. Whew. so it's just yeah the amount of negatives they've got yeah and so for the digital restoration they were looking at different ways they can do it and they used the original negative of the film because they still have it and the process was really cool because the film is old and it's been run a few times so it's got a lot of scratches and dirt on it and they tried to clean it up as much as they could they still couldn't get a good scan and so there's a a fluid bath that you can put negatives into and the water takes away these scratches so as they were doing the scan to digital for the restoration it was running through this fluid and so that cleaned up most of the negative itself and then a team of experts like there's no other word for it um digital restoration experts went through the film a frame at a time to clean it clean it up good lord
1: (laughs) take forever
0: some some frames were over three hours for one frame of this film and they showed the process where they would have a clean frame like they would have a, uh, a damaged frame that couldn't be restored just by the water bath and they would have the frame before and the frame after. And so sometimes if it was just the one frame, they could cut it out. But if there was multiple frames that were damaged and they needed to be cleaned up. And I think this is where that great, uh, the tiger sharks eye comes into it. They would use Photoshop to paint it in either with, if they had it, if they okay. had some stuff from the frame before and the frame after they would do a composite to fill in the damaged area. If not, then yeah, they would, they would digitally add it in or enhance it. So just that whole process was fascinating to see. And they showed what the original footage looked like compared to the cleaned up one. And it's, it's amazing how well they did. Yeah. The effects are noticeable and there's a few things like that. The two shooting stars that there's still controversy, whether they were real or not. (laughs) They, they, the second one, back to back controversy <laughs> about
1: shooting stars. They, that's not real. Well, this Get Neil deGrasse Tyson on the case.
0: <laughs> the second one moves so shudderingly. It's like, there's no way that's natural. When it doesn't or, come
2: past the cloud. Yeah, It
0: stopped in with the, with the digital restoration. Those two, they should have just cleaned those right out. I don't know why they kept them in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was an interesting bit. And then the other just on the topic of budget, it's yeah the the budget ballooned up while they were shooting but this is the first movie to ever gross over 100 million at the box office so it is considered the f- the first true summer blockbuster. blockbuster
1: yeah yeah
0: and the it's interesting chad you, t- you alluded to like this film's been researched and obviously written about to death and yeah i had texted you like research for this is overwhelming because there is so much and what do you pick that's unique that you know adds flavor to our podcast. And when I was searching, I was like behind the scenes, facts of jaws, unique facts. And <laughs> all these web- websites would pop up like 20 things. You do not know about jaws. And they'd be the, all the same listicles. Yeah, It's like, well, if, if eight ep- websites have the same information, it's yeah. not unknown. <laughs> um, but the one, the one I sort of finished with or enjoyed the most was from TV tropes where it talked just about the differences between the film and the novel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it ends with a very interesting take where in the novel, the Orca's experiences, they take place over multiple days where they keep going back and heading back out. Oh. So, so just an interesting different timeline. Yeah. Whereas I think the film does it better where they're out on the ocean and they almost become stranded. It's Yeah, they're committed, right? Yeah, it becomes yeah. more tense. And adds more He's weight to it. He's on an
1: island. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: the storyline as to why Amityville's mayor needs to keep the beaches open in the novel, he owes money to the mob. Oh, well, right.
1: I yeah. had heard that before. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's and, such a bizarre and they took plot took that line. out of there. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. he does seem like
0: a mob guy. Yeah, so does. Totally. The way he dresses most yeah. definitely. Yeah. 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 But mm-hmm. I think for the film, that would have been a whole side story that would have taken too much time. So Right. Yeah. Hooper dies in the shark attack in the cage in the novel. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Quint drowns. He doesn't get eaten by the shark. Huh. So, he, yeah, I don't know. I haven't read the novel and it didn't go into details, but yeah, he, his death is by drowning. Um, Jaws dies from blood loss. Oh, that's, that's, yeah.
1: Just uh, <laughs> I'm glad they took those out.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: I liked Quinn, even though the jowls were weird, like when I first, when I first watched it, I thought, hmm, something's a little off. Even as a kid, I was like, ah, his mouth's a little weird. Like it's just chompa, 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 right? But yeah. he slides down. That death scene's like
0: crazy good. When he's trying to kick it, his way away from yeah, the Yeah, he's trying yeah. to keep
1: his feet, like he wants to live. He's trying to keep his feet, on the on the shark's like nose and teeth and he's trying yeah. to kick back and his, and he's just slowly going in and then he chomps him goes in like a conveyor belt and mm.
2: yeah it's crazy they should have had his eyes roll back in his head. That's another little detail they missed when the shark oh, bites. Oh yeah, and they, yeah. The eyes That's roll right. back to protect themselves. That's true.
1: That. Yeah, yeah. That little filter comes over top, and they, when well, every time they bite. But I think that the fact that Bruce was chomping, I think they were just happy that they could get, <laughs> get the scene shot.
0: <laughs> the last difference before I get to like the next the reason i'm doing all this is in the novel the newspaper writer was actually more sympathetic to brody and supportive of brody oh okay and so before the orca heads out the journalist actually writes an article in the paper condemning the council and oh. saying and like saying like they knew they should have closed and so more people were behind brody whereas in the film the newspaper seems more defensive and Everybody's protective against brody it yeah. seems right like, yeah.
1: yeah yeah but i think that's how you set up like that classic horror movie. You want to talk about tropes. It's like when the teenagers run to run to the cop and they're like, oh, you're partying again right. and, and everything. And he, this guy knows and he wants to take the safe route, but they're like, no, 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 we got to.
0: Yeah. We know better than yeah. you. Yeah. And the reason I shared all that because this next little bit is great. So Spielberg uh, read the novel in preparation for this and he's quoted as saying that he hated the novels, uh, the characters so much or found them so unlikable, like the heroes, that he actually wanted Jaws to win in the end. Yeah.
1: Team team, team team Jaws. (laughs) TJ was cheering for the shark the whole time. Yeah, that's right.
0: So he does a good job of making them likable in the film compared to the novel because you've got like Hooper who cheats, Ellen who, you know, there's that affair. Quint is, you know, the drunk. Yeah. So,
1: Yeah, There's not a lot to latch onto there, right? Right, You're just like, oh, I want this shark to win. well. And and another thing I had heard is that because Bruce wasn't working, he had to do a lot of those point of view shots. Like he had to use a lot of those camera angles and things like that. And when the movie was released, everybody was saying, oh, it's so innovative and amazing. He's creating a new way of filming. And he was like, I was just trying to get around a shark not working. I wasn't (laughs) trying to be this like trailblazer of film. He's like, I just could not use the shark. which obviously made it a better film as we as we've said like if you saw jaws or bruce i guess swimming around and then seeing that woman in the opening scene seeing her from like that where she's swimming that undershot where she's swimming and you just see her swimming around and and you hear the music, and you know Jaws is watching it. That's so
0: iconic. It's yeah. so well done. And the camera moving up as she's treading water. Yeah, just, yeah. and it's just yeah. do
1: do 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 do, and then and then the music stops, and and he takes a chomp, and it's like, yeah. And I I think it worked out for the best, even though you know it was frustrating at the time. I'm sure you're you're like I've got two months to film this. I've got a two million dollar couple of sharks, and both of them aren't working. Like, <laughs> it'd be so frustrating. He said sometimes he would. It, the only thing to do would lay be laying down and waiting for someone to come up and tell him it was the sharks were good to go and and we could film. And it's like it just took forever. Yeah. Okay, so our last category we're gonna do watchability scale. Uh, Mike, what would you give this out of ten?
0: I'd give it an eight. I really liked it. Still holds up. Um it's it's around that same level as the other ones we've given eights. I'm
2: gonna say seven seven point nine. Oh. just to be
0: different. But I agree. It's <laughs> somewhere around an eight. I'm rounding you up. <laughs> I've already put point fives on the scale. I'm not putting Oh, 10s. is it only point fives? Okay, and I'll go seven point five.
1: All right. Well you guys are, are a little harsher than I. I'm going nine. Nine. I I love this movie. I've watched it so much that there's just no way I can't give it a high the watchability scale I can't give it a low mark because obviously it's a watchable
0: movie
1: <laughs> so yeah I'm going to give it a 9
0: I could maybe give it a 9 but it's I would I would give the first half of the film a 10 yeah it's the second half that's dragging me down a bit
1: yeah see and I liked the I I Liked the monster aspect of it. I liked the when he's throwing the chum and he's complaining and he's just like, ah, oh, you fucking yeah, I'll do, I'll just do this. And he's like, you come down here and throw this slop. And then all of a sudden, the the shark shows up. It's like, whoa! And that's where that famous line comes in: "You're gonna need a bigger boat." And then I like the way Quinn dies. I I remember watching it. I the shark when he's like driving for him and he's and he's chomping away on that. On that tanky, you know that's a little give or take. But and then when they're they're kicking and and going back, it's like what day is it today? Yeah, Tuesday. I don't know. I just really liked the whole movie. So
2: I think it's due for an HBO full season of the backstory of Jaws. What happened to Jaws that he's so angry? And then the USS Indianapolis. That whole that's two or three episodes right there. Oh yeah. And then the 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 buildup of characters, the mobsters, and then maybe the final episode is. Jaws is there.
1: Okay, well, thank you very much for listening to us. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Instagram. We are at Pod. Please stop by our website, www.ScreamsandStreams.com. Where we have information about our episodes, descriptions of our categories, links to our research, and our watchability scale where we rank all of the films that we are looking at. Please subscribe to rate and comment on our shows on any platforms where you get your podcasts. I'm Chad Campbell. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, this has been Mike and TJ. Thank you very much.